President Biden this week signed into law federal protections for gay and interracial marriages. Although these have been considered settled case law, legal opinions that emerged from the Supreme Court during the Dobbs decision earlier this year put into question whether these marriage cases would be revisited. That was of particular concern for gay marriage, which has experienced a sort of whiplash in public and political opinion throughout the late 20th and 21st century. It may be that this is true most clearly in Michigan. It was a case from our state that was even included in the Supreme Court decision that legalized gay marriage in 2014. Four years that we have been waiting to be heard by the justices and to get a decision by the Supreme Court. Today on the podcast, we're diving into two decades worth of politicking and legal fights over gay marriage and a huge shift in public opinion over a relatively short time. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. It so happens there is a reporter here who has been following the story of gay marriage in Michigan closely all along. Let's listen to a bit of a story Rick Pluta filed on this subject from the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court in 2014. A throng of thousands pressed right up to the steps of the Supreme Court. They cheered and jeered as the litigants walked out following the arguments that lasted two and a half hours. Rick Pluta, senior correspondent with the Michigan Public Radio Network, joins us now. Rick, hi. Hello. There are so many different places we could start. Uh, I didn't, you know, even if you think you know the basic history, uh, this is such a long-ranging story in Michigan. I guess maybe we should start with 2004, when voters here were asked in a presidential election year ballot whether to ban gay marriage as part of the state's constitution. Can you remind us who was behind the ballot question? It was a big uh, controversy here in Michigan and, you know, across the state. I mean, keep in mind that we were doing this, um, you know, following 1994 when Bill Clinton enacted the don't ask, don't tell policy for um, gay and lesbian military personnel. Um, then there was the uh, Defense of Marriage Act in 1996. So in 2004, voters approved an amendment to Michigan's constitution to ban recognition of same-sex marriage and their equivalents. So, you know, remember, we were also talking, you know, about domestic partnerships and, right. and, and that sort of thing. And so, you know, that then set the stage for the movement to enact a law or find a court decision that would recognize uh, same-sex marriage. And in Michigan, it was April DeBoer and Jane Rouse who became the uh, subjects of this. Rick, am I right that that precedent from the ballot question is still on the books today, although it in unenforceable? Uh, um, it is on the books, but unenforceable. Yeah. Exactly. What would it take to remove it from the state's constitution? Well, there would have to be a, another petition drive that would put the question on the ballot. And then, you know, voters would have to make a decision on whether to uh, eliminate that, uh, that language, via, uh, eliminate that amendment via another amendment. This decade between 2004 and that ballot measure and the ban and the Supreme Court case law of 2014, do you feel like there was there was discussion of gay marriage and rights 
in the state over that time? I mean, was this a, a topic that would pop up in Lansing and then go back down and then come back up again? Oh, sure. I mean, it became a subject of, of fierce debate time and time again. Um, but originally, it started out just as recognition of these relationships for some purposes, you know, for example, whether or not um, a domestic partner would qualify for benefits under, you know, their partner's uh, government, uh, you know, government benefits. Um, so that was one of the uh, one of the big arguments. And there was a law adopted to, you know, disallow that. And, uh, you know, it just came up over and over and over again. And then eventually, you know, the, the, the tide started to turn, at least in terms of the discussion. And so you, you know, go back to things like, you know, don't ask, don't tell, you know, whether or not, you know, you could get some types of benefits without being married before the discussion even turned seriously to the uh, prospect of gay and lesbian uh, people being allowed to actually be legally married. The DeBoer case that you referenced a couple minutes ago, one of the cases that figured into the Supreme Court's uh, decision on legal gay marriage nationwide. Can you tell us how you first met the family involved? Um, well, I, I follow courts. It's it's part of my beat. And so I heard about this case and I started following it, showing up for, you know, re really you start out, you spend a lot of times in what I do reading briefs before you even show up in court. And so I followed the filings and then, you know, wound up in the uh, arguments. And uh, I mean, one of the things about this particular case is no one was behind it, that uh, April and Jane had to kind of do this on their own because the civil rights organizations, the gay rights organizations thought that their chances were pretty poor once this case got up to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals in Cincinnati. And by the way, they were all right that they did lose in the Sixth Circuit, but that was also um, a, a development that set this case up to go to the U.S. Supreme Court and the decision that ultimately legalized gay marriage. If memory serves, Jane Rouse and April Dubois were represented by an attorney at the time named of Dana Nessel. Um, yeah, um, um, that's where Dana Nessel first came to prominence in Michigan, was uh, representing um, the couple in federal court to try and reverse the of uh, of uh, um, the Michigan gay marriage ban and at least get uh, gay marriage recognized in Michigan and should point out that April and Jane decided that they wanted to wait um, for a Supreme Court decision before they made plans. Um, Dana Nessel, who is a lesbian, um, said that you guys can go first, but once we get a decision, um, you know, I'd like to make a little uh, proposition here. And uh, this happened on the steps of the United States Supreme Court. And I have one more question to ask. Alana McGuire. Will you be applicant number two for the state of Michigan for a marriage license? Yes, I will. Rick, because of this case, wasn't there a weekend when gay and lesbian couples were allowed to marry? It was crazy that um, as soon as the decision came down, uh, and in the end, about 300 couples in Michigan got married, 300 same-sex couples got married. They showed up at courthouses in four Michigan counties and, uh, and, and just lined up. And this is uh, 
Ingham County Clerk Barb Byram performing a same-sex marriage ceremony in Michigan. Andrew, you're going to repeat after me. Okay. <laughs> I, Andrew, take you, Craig. I, Andrew, take you, Craig. To be my wedded husband. To be my wedded husband. To have and hold from this day forward. To have and hold from this day forward. To promise to be your faithful husband. To promise to be your faithful husband. For richer or poorer. For richer or poorer. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. In joy and in sorrow. In joy and in sorrow. As long as we both shall live. As long as we both shall live. We'll be right back with more from Rick in just a minute. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. What was the argument at the time about why marriage was truly important and why civil unions just weren't, they weren't a, a, full, a full recognition of people's rights? Because marriage isn't just a right, it's a bundle of rights, that it deals with things like uh, insurance benefits and um, pensions and what happens when one of the partners dies. You know, this started out as an adoption case, which is also part of that uh, bundle of rights. So really, when you talk about the right to um, marriage, same sex or otherwise, you're talking about a bunch of rights. And that's what you get when you sign a marriage certificate. Right. So after the DeBoer case happened and the Supreme Court ruling that sort of turned everything, that turned out to be the fulcrum for policy on this issue, how, how have you observed the legal and policy fights over gay rights play out in Michigan? Well, you know, gay marriage is now accepted in Michigan that there are a lot of people who have, uh, you know, friends and neighbors and family members who are gay and married um, with kids. Um, and so it's it's become, you know, pretty normal. Uh, the fight has focused to, to the degree that's existed. And uh, we saw, you know, um, now former state Senate majority leader uh, Mike Shirky, you know, bring it back up that this isn't just about marriage rights, but also states rights. And I would even circle back to um, the arguments that took place in the U.S. Supreme Court, that it went from being an argument about marriage itself as to as opposed to how quickly society should change and people should be allowed to adapt. I mean, that was the argument that uh, Michigan Solicitor General John Birch made when he went to the Supreme Court, that this isn't about saying yes or no to anything, but a state being allowed to manage change. When federal courts 
take upon themselves the ability to strike down straight state laws based on their own view of what the law should be or based on public opinion, then we're no longer a nation of laws. We're a nation of federal court judges. Mm. So here we are now. President Biden signed the legislation that Congress passed this week, and gay marriage is protected at the federal level. Do you see uh, emerging frontiers with the Democrats in control of majorities in both houses in Lansing? Are there any issues outstanding for LGBTQ rights that you think might crop up in spring? Oh, sure. I mean, the the most prominent one is adding LGBTQ protections to Michigan's Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act. Discrimination protections. Discriminate uh, yeah. or anti-discrimination Sorry, protections. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Democrats, uh, starting with Governor Gretchen Whitmer, had said that um, amending Elliot Larson to include LGBTQ rights is high on the list of uh, priorities to get done in the new legislative session. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. If you are just reeling from all the political things that happened in Michigan this year, we welcome you to the Stateside website. You can find episodes of our show that can be streamed anytime for free. Also, It's Just Politics, the podcast, has its own section on the website now, so you can get all your needs met there. Today's podcast episode was produced by our show's executive producer, Laura Weber-Davis. Other producers on Stateside include Mike Blank, Ronia Cabansag, April Van Buren, and Mercedes Mejia. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week with more Pod Fun. Bye-bye. I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.